Today's message is entitled Hanukkah in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. Turn with me now, if you will, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And we'll be beginning at verse 12. Yeshua was speaking about the kingdom of God. And he was the one to come and set things in their proper order. He was to be the revelation of how fulfilling God's word, Torah, was to be fulfilled by his life being lived out in the nation of Israel to his own people. Because the Messiah was to be sent first to the nation of Israel. So that later, the nation of Israel, a remnant at first, would be used to proclaim the good news to the nations and be a light to the nations. But that light is an individual. And he is God's representative. Who put on human flesh, became like us. He was born of the virgin Miriam, Mary. And he lived among God's chosen people, the Jewish people. To be a light to his people and a revelation to the nations round about. Simeon, when he received Yeshua on the day of his dedication, of his time of Brit Milah, when he was presented before the Lord at the temple, declared this, that Yeshua would be both the raising and the lowering of people within the nation of Israel. And Miriam, she put all these things in her heart. And so let us begin here in Yohanan chapter 8, verse 12. Yeshua spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Will have the light which gives life. So the Purushim, the Pharisees, said to him, Now you're testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. So here was the Judean leaders who were saying, No, no, no. The testimony must come from someone else and not yourself. And Yeshua deals with this situation as we continue. In verse 14, Yeshua answered them, Even if I do testify on my own behalf, my testimony is indeed valid because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by merely human standards. As for me, I pass judgment on no one. But if I were indeed to pass judgment, my judgment would be valid. Because it is not I alone who judge but I am the one who has sent me. And even in your Torah, it is written, 
that the testimony of two people is valid. I myself testify on my own behalf. And so does the Father who sent me. They said to him, where is this father of yours? Yeshua answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know the father too. He said these things when he was teaching in the temple treasury room. Yet no one arrested him because his time had not yet come. Now, as we continue here in John, Yohanan, chapter 10, verse 22 and beyond, I ask you to turn there. And this is what it says. Then came Hanukkah. In most Bibles, it says the Feast of Dedication. And you know how many people have read that scripture and just thought, well, it's a here's a feast of dedication, and well, I really don't identify with it, and I really don't know what it means, but that's what Hanukkah means, being dedicated unto the Lord, and the Lord had the Jewish people dedicate, rededicate the temple, which as David and others have shared, and I shared last Shabbat, had to be rededicated. Why? Because Antiochus, Antiochus can be said both ways, uh, took and had a pig that was sacrificed and it was poured out on the altar. And not the, only the altar, but all the different furniture within the Holy of Holies including the scrolls of God's law. He defiled all these things. And so those stones that were defiled with pig's blood, and he also erected a, a statue to Zeus, a pagan god, the god of the Greeks, within the temple. And this is kind of a foreshadowing what is going to be happening in the latter days. In the near future, the children of Israel will erect a third temple. And there's one who's going to make a covenant with them for seven years, but he'll break it after three and a half years. And there will be a false prophet. There will be the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist, and this will all come about. And so this is all a foreshadow. And as I shared last Shabbat, that when the when the rabbis, the, the Jewish priests, saw that these stones were, def, were defiled, after the Maccabees took back Jerusalem, they took out all the stones because they were defiled, and they were told to set them out on Solomon's portico. We have to set all these things up because as we read these scriptures here, we'll more fully understand the Jewish leaders of Judea's question to him, asking, are you the Messiah? Because it was told and decided during the time of the rededicating of the temple, during the time of the Maccabees, that when Messiah came, he would instruct the Jewish priests, 
and the rabbis what to do with those stones. Because for years they had received the holy sacrifice that was a temporary covering for the people, a symbol of the one true sacrifice that would be done by the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Remember Yohanan, John, Yeshua's cousin? When Yeshua went to the waters of the Jordan, there to go under the waters of a mikvah, a sign of cleansing oneself, that when Yohanan John saw him coming, he cried out in a loud voice saying these words, Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And so now for all that is a backdrop for us, let us continue here in the scripture. Then came Hanukkah, and as I said earlier, in most translations, the Feast of Dedication, in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Where are we right now? Most of us are at home right now, and those of you who are listening later on the podcast, probably it's very, very cold where you are. I've heard that on the on the rabbi's forum yesterday by one of the, the rabbis that they were expecting a low of 32 degrees in Florida. Think about the citrus uh, harvest. Mm -hmm. Think about those trees. The price of citrus is going to go up if this damages those trees, kills some of these trees from the frost. And so he was sharing and he was praying as we've been praying for everyone who's experienced this throughout the whole United States and even into Canada. These very, very cold, lizard-like temperatures. And so going forward here, praise be unto God. And then came Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Yeshua was walking inside in the temporal area. Shlomo, Solomon's colony. Remember where those stones that are being have been defiled are laying right now? In that present time for Yeshua that had been there for well over a hundred years. Because this is a hundred years in the future. And the question every day, because think about this: every time a Levite. Every time a Jewish priest, every time a rabbi, every time when the children of Israel came on the outer courts to worship Adonai and to bring their sacrifice, they saw there to one side those stones that were defiled. What a picture of people who allow the world to come into their midst. Are you a friend of the world as? Brother David shared earlier today, or are you rededicating your lives daily, not just annually, but daily to the Lord's service? And so as they would go and worship, they would see these stones. And they knew that one day that the Messiah would come and he would tell them what to do with these stones. So here, let us continue here. This is not the scripture, but this is commentary. Not only did Yeshua celebrate Hanukkah, but he observed it in the same temple that had been cleansed and rededicated just a few generations earlier by the Maccabees. Hanukkah, more commentary. 
Hanukkah is a beautiful holy day celebrated by Jewish people all over the world. They're doing it right now. Many are aware of the customs and the history of Hanukkah. Some may know scripture well enough to know that this holy day is prophetically mentioned in the book of Daniel. This is the most surprising to both Jewish and Christian communities is that the clearest mention of Hanukkah in the Bible is not in the Tanakh, but it's in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. And it's named here. We just read it in John chapter 10, verse 22 and 23. So the people who normally celebrate this holy day, the Jewish people, have a scant biblical reference for it. Yet the people who do not normally celebrate Hanukkah have the most explicit ref reference to it in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. This brings us to the first reason believers in Messiah, Yeshua, both Jews and Gentiles, might want to understand and celebrate this holy day. The Messiah, Yeshua himself, celebrated it. If he was against it, don't you think he would have spoke up against it? It is well worth mentioning here a second time. Why? Because to ingrate it to our hearts and minds. Not only did Yeshua celebrate Hanukkah, but he observed it in the same temple that has been cleansed and rededicated just a few generations earlier under the Maccabees. So Jewish scholars teach that there is a deep spiritual meaning in Hanukkah. As the editors of the popular art scroll, Mazora series state, and I quote from them, then the light is kindled to give inspiration for the light of Messiah must burn brightly in our hearts. Hanukkah, Mazora Publications of Brooklyn, New York. Think about that. The children of Israel have been longing for Messiah throughout all their generations up to this day. You know, right now in Israel, in the ultra-Orthodox community, they're longing to see Messiah to return. Let's continue. So this is a logical conclusion because Hanukkah is a celebration of what? Deliverance. Deliverance from the world system. But think about this. Are not things in this world changing? Aren't we at the threshold of this world becoming a one world government? A one world religion? And a one world currency? See, that was what Antiochus was trying to press on the Jewish people. Let's continue. And so it has also become a time to express a messianic hope. We who are of the children of Israel, who have had the veil removed from our eyes, we see Messiah, we long for his appearing. And those of you who have been grafted in to the olive tree 
of Israel are also longing for Messiah to come and to deliver us. Let's continue. Just as the Maccabees were used by God to redeem Israel, the greatest redeemer, the Messiah, would also come at this time. Think of Moshe, Moses. He was a type and symbol of Messiah who is yet to come, who delivered those who received God's light to be a light to the world. We saw all these types and these foreshadows, and we should look at them. And so Israel's greatest redeemer, the Messiah, would also come at this time. They believe that he'll be revealing himself during the celebration of Hanukkah to deal with those defiled stones. So let's continue here. Now with this understanding, we more fully now appreciate the scenes that unfold as, as Yeshua celebrated the first Hanukkah that's mentioned in Scripture 2,000 years ago in that very city of Jerusalem, on that Temple Mount, on Solomon's colonnade, that he was there. Now let us continue and looking at the verse Yohanan, John chapter 10, verse 22 through 23. Then came Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, Jerusalem. It was winter, and Yeshua was walking around the inside of the temple area in Shlomo Solomon's colonnade. And you know, when he was walking around there, there was not one. There were many menorahs. And these were menorahs with only seven bowls on the top of them. Not nine like our Hanukkah has. And they were lit. And the light could be seen for miles around from Jerusalem. So let us continue here. It was in the midst now, commentary, of the, these festivities, Yeshua was surrounded by some of the rabbis, the Judean leaders. And this is a simple question that they asked. Remember, I set the stage so we'd focus on this when we came to this in the scripture. And this is their question in Yohanan chapter 10, verse 24. How much longer are you going to keep us in suspense? Why? Because they had heard of the miracles. The raising of the dead, the healing of the leper, all these things that they'd heard about him do. They recognized the power of God was being manifested through him. And remember the time, the setting? It's Hanukkah. And what had the rabbis and the Jewish priests had taught them that one day the one would come, the Mashiach, the Messiah, and he would tell us what to do with these stones. So let's reread that verse one again, one more time. How much longer are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us publicly. Now commentary, 
The answer to this very appropriate question is contained in Yeshua's Hanukkah message. Yeshua now clearly reiterates his claim and proofs of his Messiahship. Let's continue in verse 25 of Yohanan John chapter 10. Yeshua answered them, I've already told you. And you don't trust me. What were they taught as young men? To expect the revelation from Adonai, from Hashem, the Mashiach, the Redeemer of Israel. It would set things all right again. Because at the time and setting when Yeshua was there in Solomon's colonnade, it wasn't Antiochus. It wasn't the Greeks in power. It was the Romans. They were living under great oppression. And Israel in the future, when the anti-Messiah is revealed, when you and I as the bride of the Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles, are taken out of this world, and then the focal point is on the Jewish people, that all this scripture will come and make sense. Because he that dwells in these temples, both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, the Ruach HaKodesh, when we're removed our influence upon this earth, as Rasha Ul taught in First and Second Thessalonians, when he that holds back is removed in us, I've heard some people describe it this way. It's like football players, the linemen. They're there. And the other players are coming against this quarterback. After that, notice this, the, the humor in this. What are they going after? A pigskin of all things, right? A pigskin. And they're going after this pigskin. And if they can take and steal a pigskin and cross the goal at the other end, they score, right? That's their whole desire, all right? But let's get back to the football analogy here. And so just picture this. The linemen are not in good relationship with their quarterback. So they stand there. They hike the ball. They stand up. Instead of going forward and blocking, they just kind of stand aside and allow these guys to come and sack the quarterback. In that analogy, God the Father is going to allow the anti-Messiah to be revealed. But before he's revealed, what has to take place? He that is holding everything into check by the indwelling of the Ruach, both in Jews and Gentiles, the bride and Messiah, the church, his holy congregation, his kihilah, has been removed from this earth. Then the focal point is on the Jewish people. Then the 144,000 are raised up, the two witnesses, and everything comes about. This will be all fulfilled. And the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist, will be given a deceiving power from who? Hasatan himself. 
and then he will take over this known world. But the Lord, the Ruach, is then being poured out what? Into his Jewish people. And they proclaim the good news. The two witnesses pro proclaim the good news. And there are people who are both Jews, who have veil over their eyes, who are left behind. And those of the people of the nations who have never come to know Messiah will have an opportunity to receive him. And it will be a hell on earth while this is all transpiring. So let us get back to the scripture here. Verse 25, Yeshua answered them, I've already told you. You don't trust me. The works I do in my Father's name testify on my behalf. But the reason you don't trust is that you're not included in my sheep. Who did Yeshua say he came for? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's been gathering a remnant from those individuals. Those apostles that were sent out, where we got this Brit Hadashah that was delivered through these Jewish apostles to the nations. He did all this. And so from that sheepfold, who he removed the veil from their eyes, and they saw Messiah Yeshua as he is, and they embraced and received him. They were then filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. Acts chapter 2 speaks of this. And they went forward and they turned the world upside down. Let's continue here. But the reason you don't trust is that you're not included among my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. You know, in Jeremiah, it says this to the Jewish people. If you call out and search me with your whole hearts, I will reveal myself to you. Have we not all been on that journey, whether you're of Jewish ancestry or not? Where you sought after the Lord and the Lord revealed himself to you? All must be born again. Both Jews and Gentiles, all must be born again. And after we're introduced to Yeshua, are we still listening to his voice? My sheep listen to my voice, and I recognize them. Why? Because he has intimacy and fellowship. Look at the life who's, which now is being lived out before us, Pastor John. John has hope and intimacy with Messiah, the fruits of the Spirit, grace and mercy and beyond are with him as he goes through this transition. The peace that passes all understanding is ruling and reigning in John's heart right now. And it's my heart's desire for this other gentleman, a Jewish man, and I won't mention him by name, that's right now going through that same transition, but there's a veil over his eyes. And the Lord's allowed me to come into this individual's life to proclaim to him the good news. There's only one name that he can utter, 
where he can be reconciled to Abba, Father God, through the bridge builder who is Yeshua, the Messiah. There's not any other way. There's no other second chances. It is here and now. And so now I've been praying that the Ruach would, would speak to his heart and prepare his heart and mind for the things that the Spirit wants me to speak to this man directly. Because his time is running out. Think about all your loved ones, your neighbors, your co-workers. Time is running out. This is a time that we're not to be silent, but also to demonstrate through our lives that the Messiah lives and dwells within us. Are we allowing our light to shine? Just as Yeshua said to these Jewish people that he's the light of the world, do we have the light of the world dwelling within us and shining forth? Let's continue here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But the reason you don't trust is that you're not included among my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and they rec I recognize them and they follow me. John, Pastor John, who's going to go graduate in the presence of the Lord, has been following the Lord. He's a living testimony of what we should be doing now daily, every moment. Are we listening? Does the Lord recognize us as his own sheep? And are we following him? Yeshua goes on to say these words in uh, verse 28. I give them eternal life. See, that's not just words in the page. We have eternal life in Messiah the moment, the day we became born again. And that eternal life, as our lives pass on this earth, we enter into that eternal life, the full realization of it. Let's continue here. Praise be unto God. And I give them eternal life. They will absolutely never be destroyed. What is he speaking of there? being separated from God the Father in the flames of hell, the fire. And no one will snatch them from my hands. For he who has you, who cradles you in his arm, his loving embrace, no one can steal you from him. And that is Messiah Yeshua. Goes on on verse 29. My Father who gave them to me. Do you hear that? You belong to Yeshua. You're no longer your own. Your life is no longer your own. It's hidden in God and Messiah. And it's all about Yeshua. That speaks of a great intimacy that we have from God the Father through the Ruach, who the Ruach is. He's the one who is perfecting us in the likeness and character of Messiah. He's preparing us for when the bridegroom comes for us. Both Jews and Gentiles want a Messiah. And that can happen at any time, any day, any moment. Are you ready? Have you trimmed your wicks? Are your oil, is it full? Are you full of the Ruach? 
the spirit of the living God? Is his light shining through us? Let us continue. My father gave them to me. Is greater than all. And no one can snatch them from my father's hands. I and the father are one. That's Yeshua's words. How much more clear could he be to the Jewish Judean leaders and everyone that heard his voice? Once again, the Judeans picked up rocks in order to do what? To stone him. Did they receive his message? Absolutely not. Was a veil removed from their eyes? No, because they're not willing to trust as one of their colleagues, Nicodemus, asked and came at the dark of night. And Yeshua said to him, you must be born again. As Nicodemus said these words, no one has the power of God being revealed in them as you do. And he was, Yeshua was able to lead him down that path. Let's continue. Yeshua answered them. You have seen me do many good deeds that reflect the Father's power. Are we doing deeds today that reflect the Father's power as the Spirit gives us the anointing to do? For which of these deeds are you now stoning me? The Judean leaders replied, we are not stoning you for any deed, but for what? For blasphemy. Because you are only a man. And you're making yourself out to be God. Think about this. What did David share earlier? About Antiochus Epiphanes. What did, what did David say? Epiphanies mean God being manifest in human flesh. Think about that. That's what's going on these individuals who have the veil over their eyes. Did they not recite the Shema every day? Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Akkad, Hero Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord, our God is one? Yes, he is, but he's Echad. That's plural form. Let us continue. You're making yourself out to be God, Elohim. Verse 34. Yeshua answered them, isn't it written in your Torah? I have said you people are Elohim. That's a quote from <coughs> Psalms, Tehillim, 82 and 6. On to verse 35. He called Elohim the people to whom the word Elohim was addressed, and the Tanakh cannot be broken. In other words, the Tanakh is God's holy word. It's yes, amen. It is true. Verse 36. Then you are telling the one whom the Father set apart as holy and sent into the world, you are committing blasphemy. Just because I said I am a son of Elohim? If I'm not doing 
deeds that reflect my father's power, then don't trust me. So he's calling them out to see the reality and the testimony of myriads of thousands of the manifestation power and the revelation of, of Father God through his son, Yeshua. He continues in verse 38. But if I am, so he wants them to contemplate. He wants them to think with their own minds, to search the scriptures, the Tanakh, the Torah. But if I am, then even if you don't trust me, trust the deeds so that you may understand once and for all that the Father is united with me and I am united with the Father. See that reasoning process, just as Rav Shaul was on the way to Damascus to uh, arrest those who were followers of the way, this revelation had to be brought into his mind and heart through the revelation to both to his soul, his spirit, and his mind. The Ruach is empowered and equipped to speak to all three. Let us continue. One more time they tried to arrest him, but he slipped out of their hands. Yeshua went off again beyond the Yarden, where Yohanan, John, had been immersing at first and stayed there. Many people came to him and said, Yohanan, John, performed no miracles, but everything Yohanan said about this man was true. See, there was another individual, another human being that they saw the manifestation power of God through calling Israel, the nation of Israel, to repentance. As what the prophets of old said that one would come before Messiah, before he came the first time. Verse 42. And many people there put their trust in Yeshua. See, there was a harvest of the remnant of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So now back to commentary. Hanukkah recalls a military victory for Israel, and the implications are vast. If Antiochus had succeeded in his campaign of anti-Semitism, and destruction, there would have been no Jews by the time of Yeshua. And you know what's rearing its ugly head right now? Anti-Semitism throughout our known world as never before. There have been anti-Semitic acts of terrorism in both New York and California and various states in the United States. This is all a sign of that we're living in these last days. So Hanukkah recalls a military victory for Israel, and the implications are vast. If Antiochus had succeeded in his campaign of anti-Semitism and destruction, there would have been no Jews by the time of Yeshua, and Satan would have won because Messiah wouldn't have been able to come. 
And so right now, Hasatan wants to do what? He wants to destroy the Jewish people. He wants to destroy the nation of Israel. Even America currently now is not backing up Israel. We know we live in the latter days. Because if Hasatan could destroy the Jewish people, both in the world and in Israel, in the nation of Israel, then Messiah can't come back for his bride. And later, Messiah cannot come back for the Jewish people at the end of the tribulation. This is all laid out from Daniel and the prophets in the Tanakh through the Brit Hadashah to the book of, of Revelation. God's template is there. Let us continue. If the miracle of Hanukkah had not taken place, then Yeshua could have not come. Certainly, all believers in Yeshua have important reasons to remember this feast of dedication, Hanukkah, because Yeshua, our Messiah, our Deliverer, has come. He has revealed himself the first time. Now the prophetic fulfillment. As with all biblical holy days, there are spiritual lessons to be learned from Hanukkah. The light and courage, faith. This festival commemorates a time of true worship of God was restored in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem no longer stands today. The heart of each true believer in Yeshua the Messiah and Savior is the temple where the spirit of the living God dwells. As David shared pertinent uh, scriptures to us earlier today in his Torah portion. Too often believers endanger the, the cleanliness of their own temple by allowing what? Idolatry into their lives. You know, right now, the occult is coming and being manifested in churches, both in America and around the world. There are Christians who are practicing Christian yoga, which is an oxymoronic statement. To practice yoga, you practice and you do forms of worshiping pagan deities. And yoga gurus today, if you ask them, how do they proselytize and bring people into Hinduism? It's through yoga. And especially if you put the name of Christ or Jesus on it, then it's allowed in churches today. Let us continue here. We need the exhortation from Shaul in the scripture of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And this is what David shared today. And I was so blessed, David, when you shared this. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside you, whom you receive from God? The fact is, you don't belong to yourselves, for you were bought at a price. So now use your bodies to glorify God. May we indeed be temples of Messiah Yeshua, cleansed and dedicated to our master's use. So, Hag Sameach, Happy Hanukkah, Shabbat Shalom.